Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. And it's a throw! That's going to be a Buffalo touchdown to Gabriel Davis! But he's got some blocks. John Brown zooming inside the five! First and goal, Buffalo! And it's time for Josh Allen. Wide open! It's a touchdown, Buffalo Bills! This is the Buffalo Nerd with Colt Schroeder. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Buffalo Nerd. So this is the uh, second episode of the Nerd. And uh, for those of you that saw the first episode of the Nerd, uh, you got to see me. Uh, I did not have the excellent co-host sitting next to me uh, that I'm joined by Jenna Cottrell from the uh, 13 Wham out of Rochester. I'm sure most of you folks know who Jenna is. Uh, You see her on TV all the time. Um, If you look her up on YouTube, you'll probably start typing her name in and you're going to see immediately says, hit my football player. Yes, she is the one who was tackled by Trey White on the sideline. Not really tackled, but taken down by Trey White. Um, And Jenna was uh, gracious enough to come on and join me tonight um, because she's got a really awesome foundation that she wants to talk about. And uh, you guys can see it's Scrolling across the bottom of the screen for those of you watching, um, we're going to be chatting about the Leukemia Lymphoma Society today. And uh, Jenna, welcome in. Thanks for being here. Uh, let us know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, I've lived in Western New York for about the last five years, so I've come to make it my home. And yeah, tonight we're going to be talking about Leukemia Lymphoma Society. It's a society that means so much to me. I'm actually a cancer survivor. I was diagnosed with stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma back in 2017. So I went through um, chemo. I had 12 rounds of chemo, scans, surgery, all of that. And it was an organization that just meant so much because they really helped me every step of the way in terms of figuring out like health insurance and stuff like that to um, also just, you know, being there in terms of finding me a mentor throughout my treatments and just making me have or giving me the opportunity to talk to other people that have, have gone through similar situations. And then they're also really huge about uh, looking and finding cures. So they actually are, you know, in laboratories, having doctors um, try and really crack the code that is cancer. And they actually believe that blood cancer is kind of the key that would unlock a lot of different types of cancers. So there's a a lot of really tough research going on there, but really important stuff. And it, it hopefully means that we are that much closer to a cure. 
Awesome. So uh, I was super stoked to have you on. And as you just brought up, you know, it's it's a lot. The foundations do a lot more than just what you see put out in front of you. Right. Like, so, yes, you'll see that the foundation is doing all these, you know, they're helping kids and they're doing all these things. But a lot of the stuff that you don't get to see where your money is actually going is to getting those kids there, you know, helping their parents get them there, you know, helping people who don't have a family that can support them to get there, get there. Right. So these foundations do like so much more, you know, than just what you, you know, you kind of see up front on the front of it. So when you guys are doing research and you're looking into foundations, you know, really dive into them because they do a ton of stuff and your money is going to go to a ton of little things that we all take for granted every day. Yeah. And the great thing too, is like, it's a national charity. So there's chapters throughout the entire country, but there's also local chapters right by. So you have the national framework of an organization that is, you know, definitely involved throughout the country, but there's also those local chapters that are there for you that know your name and can be there for you and help you get to appointments and help you figure out how you're going to buy groceries that week and help you with insurance. And then also that aspect of helping you connect and really feel welcomed and seen and just having someone to talk to as well. Yeah. I mean, I think a, a lot of people don't realize that because I know like as me, uh, you know, my mom has had cancer and, you know, she, uh, she passed away a couple of years uh, from complications Sorry, yeah. after that. Um, but as a family member, you feel like you're supporting them, right? And you, you're mm-hmm. understanding what they're going through and you're trying to be the best version that you can be to support them. Um, but, you know, you don't truly know what's going on inside that yeah. person's head and how much they're really dealing with. Right. So all the support and extra little things that you can take off of their plate, you know, just the simple things of even if it's getting a meal for them that mm-hmm. they don't have to go and get that one time. Right. That could be the difference in them having like a good day and a bad day. Right. Yeah. I mean, completely. I think, uh, you know, physically it's so hard to be diagnosed with cancer because you know, physically what you're about to go through in terms of chemo and everything that's involved with that. But the mental emotional part of it is personally, in my opinion, the hardest part, Um, because it's so hard to look at yourself in the mirror and not even recognize yourself when you're going through such a hard experience. So it was definitely the most challenging part for me. Like surviving was easier than afterwards being like, what did I just go through? What just happened? You know, your life kind of flashes before you and um, yeah, just having people there to listen and to help and to want to help and understanding is just, it's, it's, immeasurable in terms of what it can do for someone. And I know firsthand. Right, right. Um, so that's why I feel so strongly about supporting them. Right. And I imagine also you kind of touched on it a little bit is that when you're there going through this, it's nice to have that other person that is going through something similar to you or, you know, going through that same chemo, you know, so you have somebody that can possibly understand where you are mentally or where you are, you know, just in the space of what's taking place with you. A a thousand percent, like just having someone that understands and your friends and your family, you, they try so hard and they really do support you in all of those things. But, um, just having someone that really intimately knows what it's like, is just, it's, it's huge and it helps so much. And it just, you know, I think cancer can be very isolating, um, and having a community that understands helps you feel not so alone. 
Yeah. I mean, I've obviously haven't, you know, gone through anything like that, but those, I imagine that's like the, would be one of the biggest fears is like, what is, what is this going to do to me and how is it going to affect everybody around me? Right. Like, am I going to kind of disappear into this place by myself where I I lose everything that I'm used to because people Mm -hmm. start to feel a little uncomfortable about what's going on or like they, they just like, they feel so bad when they're around you or something. So Mm -hmm. they don't, they don't want to be around as much, you know, like, yeah. You know, there's, I don't know, I, that's, those are all just kind of things that come to my mind when I started thinking about, you know, being around somebody that's important to me that's going through this, right? Yeah. You know, so if I can help out and, you know, like I've brought up in the, in the previous episode of the show is that not everybody has money, you know, not everybody can donate their money, right? You know, so sometimes your time, your effort words, you know, if you guys can't donate money, but you want to help support the cause, you know, just spread it around, put it out there, you know, share it on Facebook. We've all got phones, you know, I'm sure you're on it right now, right? (laughs) You know, like just share it out there, you know, share this out there, share what's going on out there, right? Because there's the mafia is really good at this, right? You know, you guys are great at stepping up and being there. This is another awesome cause. And yes, it's not football related. It's not, it's Mm -hmm. none of that stuff, but it's a super important cause that affects, you know, tons and tons of people so you know get on board and talk about it yeah and i will say too so josh allen i actually got to interview him two years ago his rookie season this was his cause for my cause my cleats so this is also a cause that josh allen his family has been involved with as well um so it's something that you know i think in western new york there's definitely a potential for a lot of people to become like just much more aware of the, of the tra- charity the organization and what they do and the, and the help that they bring right absolutely i mean that's the whole point of what we're trying to do you know with the show and everything is just there's so many awesome things going on every day it's it's almost impossible to get out in front of them and it's a lot of places you know they have have a hard time getting it out to people you know they think yeah. it's only something that they should put out to their local community or the area closest to them when realistically this stuff's everywhere so you know it's it's not isolated to one state or any of that kind of stuff or one country for that matter right you know it's everywhere so and the bills mafia is international you know this is this affects a lot of different people right so uh, mm-hmm. i think it's a great cause if you guys can help out you know um you can see the website at the bottom. It's going to be in the show links. You know, if you live close by, I'm in Sacramento. And, you know, when I started talking with Jenna, we started talking about, you know, she sent over who she was behind. I started doing the research on, you know, who she's supporting and found a local chapter here in Sacramento where I'm at. Right. So even if you got an hour, you know, a couple hours to, you know, go and help out, maybe they need to hang up some flyers somewhere, you know, something you don't know. Right. So just, if you got some time, you want to help out, this is a great cause. Go do it. Support Jenna, support Leukemia Foundation, the Leukemia Lymphoma Foundation uh, or society, excuse me. And, uh, you, you know, it's going to be a great thing. You, you should feel good about it. You know, you just spread it around. So obviously, I you know, I, there's a video uh, where you can see I, I mentioned earlier in the portion of this that everybody was supposed to see that I forgot to actually record that uh, Jenna is actually, uh, you know, on the sidelines getting taken out by Trey White. Right. So she's she's way cooler than probably anybody that's listening to this right now, including the people talking. Right. Like I, every one of us I know has been like. I'm going to get hit. I can take a hit. No problem. Right. You know, we'll take a hit while holding a camera, you know, right. So I feel like that's a little bit different, but so you're incredibly, you know, you've, you went through 12 rounds of chemo, you know, I, I heard, and, you know, I watched in the video, um, 
I, I don't, I, you know, the hair loss things like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's that a big thing for women, you know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's important. So you've, you've overcome a ton of different things, you know, besides getting hit. You know, I feel like that was probably the easiest one of the bunch at this point, oh my right? God. My mom actually texted me because so I had been diagnosed earlier on in 2017, and that game was the fall of 2017. So I had been I'd finished my chemo, and you know my hair was starting to grow back. And my parents don't live in Western New York; they live in another part of Upstate New York, but they don't really watch Bills games. But they had it on that day for some reason, and my mom texts me and is like. You know, after the hit happened, I, I asked the, the Fox camera guy, I was like, I was like, oh, like, how bad was that? And he's like, oh, I just put you on national TV, so don't worry. And I was like, I thought he was kidding. I was like, OK, yeah, like smart ass. OK. Right. And then my mom called me and was like, Jenna Margaret, you've been through too much. <laughs> she threw in the middle name. So that's when you know it was real. Right. Everybody um, knows that means it's yeah. legit when it comes from a parent. Yeah. And she's like, you've been through too much. Like you can't do I'm like, mom, I'm okay. I'm okay. But it was awesome. hard because oh my gosh. It happens so fast. I think that's what people sometimes forget. Like an NFL sideline, the ball, everything, it just moves so fast. People are jumping around, launching. Like it was, it was definitely now that I look back, it's so funny. But like in the moment, I was, I was like, what just happened? Oh, yeah. I imagine you probably were just like looking up going, wait. Oh, that's just exactly like, like I wasn't looking. I was a meme like, for a little bit. I was like, oh <laughs> that's high. That's high society nowadays. No. Like becoming a meme, no. isn't it? It was, uh, I don't know, yeah, for some people, <laughs> sure. but it was funny because I guess they did like a little bit of it on ESPN. Like they ran on like Sports Center or something. And I was like, that is not how I want to be on ESPN. Like I want right. to be on ESPN for my reporting, not like, that. Or like holding the camera and just like catching the ball one handed, no problem. Just being like, yeah, I'll tossing it back to them. Like, yeah, that's what I do here. Yeah. Yeah, what up? Yeah. No, but uh, it was definitely funny. And now I look back and I'm like, oh my god, it's so outrageous. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's. I mean, you start typing your name into YouTube and it immediately says "hit by football player," <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like that's what that's what comes up immediately. So I mean, if you type in my name, you're not going to find anything. So I mean, you're like you're you're way better off in in, in that setup. Right. Um, so there's a couple, uh, you kind of mentioned it as we were talking a little bit. You didn't grow up in Western New York. I, you're from like the Saratoga area, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, you're, you're accused, you know, you're orange, right? Which is good. You're, orange. You're, you're, yes. you're orange, right? So the reason I'm kind of going this direction, do you know like what the next thing I might find in your bio might be of related to sports of who Jenna maybe was a fan of when she was growing up as a kid? Oh, yeah, the Giants. Oh, yeah, the other, yeah, that New Jersey team, right? Oh, yeah. Well, can I explain? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, oh, my light's blinking. That's good. Um, it's, it's mad at me. But uh, so growing up in Saratoga Springs, that's outside of Albany. And I'm just going to turn this off because... Sure. That's it's just classic. They already didn't record most of what we were talking about, so I think we're fine here. We're on a roll. Yeah, we're doing really well. Um, So I grew up outside of Albany and Saratoga, and my parents are actually from Massachusetts, but they decided to move to Saratoga, whatever. So they're huge Patriots fans. The Giants used to have training camp in Albany over the summer, like how the Bills have training camp at Fisher in Rochester. So my dad was like, I don't care what team... Jenna 
we're going to see a football team in person. Like I want you and your, my siblings, I have two siblings, like we're going to all go, you're going to like it like that type of thing growing up. So we went to camp. Yeah. It was really fun. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was awesome. We also used to go to like charity basketball games where the giants would be in town and they'd like sign a huge t-shirt that you were wearing when you were like five. So I grew up like just being around the team in terms of that. And then, also, so I told you that my parents are Patriots fans. Two Super Bowls, of course. I was rooting for the Giants. The right. first after the first one, my dad told me I was not allowed to watch the second one at home. <laughs> I think that most kids generally go with that stick it to your parents attitude when it comes to their football team, mm-hmm. except for in Western New York. It's oh, like yeah. a, it's like a massive sin. Right. So you just, oh. you don't do it there, but I, I definitely wanted to bring it up. Cause I was like, I mean, I get it in the middle of the state, you know, they're kind of wishy-washier though. The Eastern part of the state, they get a little wishy-washy on who they should really root for, but also they were, they were having good seasons back then too. And I can relate to going to training camp and, and, as a kid and just being like in awe of, you know, how awesome it really was. Absolutely. I remember thinking like, these guys are enormous. And now I go to camp and I'm like, these guys are enormous. <laughs> They're still enormous. They're huge. Yeah, like the old lineman, D lineman. I'm like, oh my gosh. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's been fun. And like now living in Western New York for so long, I just, I really do love Bill's fans because the passion is next level. Right. Like where I'm from, people are like yeah, I like root for like the Giants or like I'll root for the Patriots or I'm like or that maybe the Steelers and I'm like it depends on who's winning. Exactly, it's like very much front runner, but like obviously that is not the case. Now I think there's a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon, but like we obviously know the Bills Mafia is tried and true. Right, absolutely. So if you were going to all those training camps and things, is that how what drove you down this sports road? I mean, is that <laughs> sorry? I just there's such a long story um so there's another reason why the leukemia lymphoma society is so important to me and that is my brother had leukemia now he's in remission he's been in remission for over a decade but when he was 15 i was 12 he was diagnosed with all a type of leukemia so the organization actually helped out our family back then um and then you know 15 years later they helped out again. Um, but yeah, so my brother was, um, he actually went through chemo for four years. So he was sick for a long time. And so I had always grown up playing soccer and I loved soccer. And a part of why I love soccer so much was because when I was on the field, like it's not that my teammates didn't care about what was going on at home, but it was like, I could focus and escape and be a kid. And I just, I, you know, I was 12 when he got sick. So it was definitely like I was already awkward to begin with. And I had my brother and the situation going on with my family. So I was just like a really nice outlet. So I always really, really enjoyed playing soccer. And then that kind of translated into me watching basketball and watching football. And it's just, it's been such a huge part of my life for my entire life. Like my dad's a huge sports fan. My parents come from sports families. Like I myself like love playing sports. So um, 
It's actually funny too, because when I went to Syracuse, I was actually a psych major Mm. because I always was so intrigued by like people's backstories and how that shaped them, you know, into what they are, or, you know, it was a piece of why they are who they are because I thought my story was unique with my brother. And so I sat down in a 500 person lecture at Syracuse and we were talking about Freud and theorems. And like, I just, I hated it. I was like, I want to actually talk to people. Like I don't want to do research. So, um, I went home for Christmas break, winter break, my freshman year. And I was sitting at my friend's house. We were all watching sports center. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I hate my major. I have no idea what I want to do. It's really expensive to go to Syracuse. So like, am I going to have to transfer? What am I doing? And my, one of my friends was like, Jenna, why don't you do this? And he pointed to the TV and it was sports center. And I was just like, yeah, like that, that one, it's so Perfect. dumb. I have so many dumb stories in my like history. Like how I picked Syracuse is a dumb story, but like it all worked out. But um, yeah, it was just like that moment of like, I could really do that. And I would love to do that. Like, I would love to hear people's stories and to be able to tell them and to share them. Like that would be next level. Um, so it kind of like came from a small piece of what I loved. And then it's just translated into my life. And I feel very fortunate for that because I really do love my job. Like I, I love my job and I really appreciate it um, because it is so special to me. Yeah, that's awesome. And there's probably about a trillion people that would tackle you to take your job to be on an exactly. NFL sideline, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a sought after position. So it's very cool. And the other really cool part about it is also why I, I was super excited about having you on is uh, I don't feel that necessarily women are always getting the the play that they should get in the space because uh, you guys are badass too. And you're standing down on the sideline right next to other guys that are standing on the sideline too. Right. So uh, I, I appreciate that. And I, I like that. I think that all, you know, fits into your story as just, you know, kind of like everything that you've dealt with. And I'm sure that's carried over even into just trying to be a woman that was trying to get in to yeah. this this field at all period right mm-hmm. so super expiring I, I mean i mentioned it like before in the unrecorded version of the podcast that uh she's in she's a badass uh you know she she's done a, a lot of great things and you know check out the society supporter follower you know do all those great things because she's she's really awesome so uh i also uh, you know doing some research you just had a birthday so happy I late did. birthday uh, at the end of january you had a birthday so happy birthday uh, what, what was some other stuff i wanted to touch base with you we had all the good stuff we hit all the leukemia stuff uh should we just talk about a little football now yeah let's do you it. Do know football i mean you, you're like i do i know yeah. i know a little, just a little bit i, I kind of thought you did that's why i figured i'd ask you some questions about it so we you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier on just like how almost like the bills mafia has won you over since you've been here mm-hmm. and then you've been gradually since it's five years now you've got to actually see the bills like really turn this around right in a short term time you know we've turned into a, a legitimate contender i feel you mm-hmm. know for, for the foreseeable future uh, so, you know, kind of what was it like, you know, like, what do you, what is the, what are the folks over at the 13 Wham, the sports guys, like, what are you guys chatting about over there? That's like, you know, like what's going on, you know, like it was an exciting season, but what what was the feel like from everybody there? Yeah. I just think for us, it was kind of throughout the season, there were points where the team would have a game coming up and we'd be like, 
you know, they have, they're, they're going to lose, right? Like I, I feel like there were questions about the maturity of this team, especially with all the primetime games. And I say that as, um, you know, not having the foresight of, wow, they, they clearly did have the maturity, but I felt like we've seen those teams in the past have letdowns throughout the season. We've had, we've seen like, oh, that was a billsy loss. I mean, everyone knows what that means in, in Western New York. And just to see the way this team evolved this season. I mean, if you were to tell me in September that they were going to be in the AFC championship, I would have been like, okay, sure. And then to see the way that Josh Allen improved and what Stefan Diggs meant to him and to also see the evolution of the defense. And obviously they did not have a great start to the season, but to see where they ended up. Um, yeah. I just think that speaks to the process so much. And I feel like the process is also like a little ahead of schedule, even to the point where um, there are expectations, real expectations on this team. But I also think this year was so important to just kind of get the monkey off the back in terms of finally winning a playoff game, right. you know, being able to have Josh have a 300 yard game, which sounds hilarious now, but right. coming the season, he did not have that. Um, yeah, it was a thing for a long time. It was a, it was a thing. Um, and there were so many question marks about Josh. You know, could he hit the deep ball? Could he work on his intermediate passes? Like, is his accuracy going to improve? And I think he answered those this year. Um, so I think it's, it bodes well for the future, but I also think that the NFL is not for long in terms of the windows that teams have. And even I look at the chiefs, obviously they're a dominant team, but what it takes to win a super bowl is, is a lot. So it's been there before. doesn't mean you're going to get back there again. Yeah. I actually feel like, well, I was like, because of how successful we've been, and you just kind of mentioned it, that the process I feel is accelerated as well. Like this isn't necessarily where we are anticipating we were going to be. Uh, I felt like this was also, we were building like a team that was going to be like just a consistent contender for like five years, as far as winning the division and doing those things. But now it almost feels like we're going to have to shift into overdrive and be like, do we only have like a two year window to legitimately win a Super Bowl? Right. You know, like because the NFL is like that, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes could come back next year and just be lights out, which I'm not a big fan. So I don't believe that's going to happen. But besides that, it's possible. But, you know, Tom Brady's coming back for another year. You know, there's there's just where is Deshaun Watson going to go? Exactly. What's going to happen? You know, is Trevor Lawrence going to truly be any good in the NFL? Right. So you don't you don't really know what it's going to look like. So I feel like it almost forces you to accelerate your plan of saying, you know what? Uh, we don't want to just consistent. Well, let's go try to get one. Yeah. Right? Like, I feel like yeah. that's what the Rams did, right? Like with this, this deal, yeah. like they could be in big trouble in three years with no picks mm-hmm. and nobody wanting to play there anymore because they're terrible. Well, I think that is one thing where Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are so on the same page that I, while I think they will be aggressive now, I think they do always have the future in mind. Like they're not like the Rams that are kind of mortgaging everything on this window, which I get like, hey, scared money doesn't make money. But at the same point, obviously, it's a situation of you're going to have to put up results and big results for that to be worth it. But for Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, like I think they've just done a really great job Here's where I get nervous. This roster is a couple players away, a couple players away from being a Super Bowl team. 
when you look at how this year ended. That's hard. It's not like a couple of years ago where you just put the roster down to the studs. You can add some pieces, see if it works out. Like you were a couple guys away. And because of that, it just makes it challenging because there's the room for error. The margin for error is so much smaller than it was a couple of years ago. Also, yeah, and, I, and I don't even know that we were truly a couple guys away this year. I, I think we were yeah. a bad performance away from being truly being there because yeah. I don't, I, the chiefs, I didn't even feel like should have been there. You know, they, they snuck. If you went back and look, I was talking trash about the chiefs for like the, the last five weeks of the season. Like they're terrible. They're not playing well. Oh, I, I completely agree. I was, I had the question of, which sucks because their best game this season was against the Bills. Like that's, that's what I feel like, right? Like they just no, I, I showed up. I think that's definitely the case. Um, I thought that there was no such thing as like flipping a switch. Like I've played sports my entire life and like, yeah, you can try to flip the switch, but like just cause you, you know how to do it and have done it in the past doesn't mean it's always there, especially with how poorly, let's be real, poorly is a stretch, but how, um, inconsistent or they were consistently inconsistent. Like they would just let teams back into games or they would have to have, you know, throw something on late to win. Um, I felt, I feel very frustrated by the chiefs. If I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I don't think they're good. It pisses me off that they were even there. They are good. You can't say they're not good. They're good. Well, I can. I mean, I can say it. It doesn't mean it's true, but I can say it. I just objectively, that's not right. They are good. They're just annoying. <laughs> yeah, then maybe that's the better way to put it. They're, it's annoying that they're there. And, and the other part that makes them even more annoying is how they responded to their loss. Right. If you if you listen to Kelsey like afterwards and you like he said to Tom Brady that he thought he was going to figure it out. Like, so you, so you went in the game with like no faith in your defense. Is that like what I'm, I'm picking up from you, what you're putting down right now? And yeah. then Patrick Mahomes is like, yeah, I mean, the offensive line, they decided to play a couple plays. And then the rest of the time they were just like, yeah, you just let them run through and hit them. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. you would never hear that kind of stuff coming out of this building. And I mean, I mean, one bill's drive. Sorry. Yeah. Well, or this building, a matter of fact. <laughs> just say, no, I agree. I, I think sometimes I get annoyed because after a game where Josh Allen played really well and things fell apart, he'll be like, you know, I need to be better, which I think that's, that's what you want in your quarterback. That's what you want in your captain, a guy that whose shoulders are big enough to take all of it to wear the burden. But at the same point, yeah, like when I hear the Chiefs say that, I'm just like, okay, cool. Really? And like, and to me, they should have been like, okay, we'll see him next year. Yeah. Yeah, no, we'll, I agree. We'll, I think, we'll see you next year. I think we'll be right back to talk to talk a lot of smack when you're winning is one thing, but like you got to own it when you lose. And right. um, I just I don't think that they owned it, but I'm not really shocked. If you were to pick one part of the team that you could just say, I want to take this entire group and do it over, what group would you select? You mean in terms of position? Like O-line, D-line, yeah, wide receiver group, running back room. If you could just grab one of them right now and be like, I just want to do over. Receiving core. Really? What would you want to change right now? Wait, do you mean, do you want, do you mean keep intact for next year or do you mean? I'm I'm saying like, I want to do it over. Get rid of them and do it over. Not the receiver. Yeah, no, I was going to say, that's why I was like, oh, really? Okay, let me hear this. Um, This is going to be interesting. Um. I don't think John Brown will be back just in terms of we're talking about that. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I don't think he will uh, either. In terms of doing it over, mm, there's a couple things that jump out. Um, 
I would say like running backs. I think you saw in the Super Bowl how important um, having a reliable run game is. And then in terms of D-line, I think there's like Jerry Hughes was your most consistent pass rusher this season, which is outstanding because he's a guy that earns it and he's been with the team for so long. But at the same point, frankly, you want more pressure. Like they did not get enough pressure. And people were like, well, they didn't get a lot of sacks. But I think people also forget like – you saw Patrick Mahomes running for his life and maybe they didn't always sack Mahomes, but throwing a quarterback off of his rhythm, getting his receivers off their rhythm, that connection, like that is so huge in the NFL. And I feel like the bills just didn't get enough pressure. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I'm curious what they do what, with that position, because obviously they drafted AJ and Vanessa, you know, they have a guy in the interior, like at Oliver, those are two first round draft picks back to back years. Um, you know, what, what do you do to bolster that spot? Because I think the Super Bowl kind of made it pretty apparent that you need pressure and then also you need that reliable run game. So, and again, Brandon Bean back to back years in the third round, taking Devin Singletary and then Zach Moss. Um, you know, there's TJ Yelton and Taiwan Jones um, and Antonio Williams, who's that, you know, practice squad guy, Christian Wade. But um, I think with the way the Bills passing offense worked this season. It makes sense why they didn't go to the run game as much, right. but at the same point, it made them very one dimensional. And in the NFL, you, you need as many dimensions as, as you can get. Yeah. So those are uh, basically the two groups I would have identified as well. You know, even though, and I agree with you that John Brown is probably gone and yeah. I don't. I don't think we're going to have a big off season, right? We don't really have the money to make big moves unless we dump a lot of that D line money and start over. You know, you think we're going to find some money? So um, I don't know if it's going to be money as much as it would be like a trade or just seeing something. Because um, first of all, Brandon Bean said flat out, like we're not going to make a blockbuster trade, right? Which okay, like I believe him. So I could be very wrong, but I also know that this team is like a dynamic guy away. So right. I I feel like um, there there are deals to be had. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. This is this offseason is going to be challenging. The salary cap is about twenty million dollars less than it was last year, and the number's not set right now. Um, but it's going to make. People are going to have to do more with less money, which is always, always just such a joy. <laughs> right. But I, I think that's why if you look at this, Brandon Mead being, in my opinion, in the wide receiver room made two offseason moves already. He did it at the end of the playoff run when he picked up Stills and he picked up Kumaro. Those are guys that you can potentially keep around cheap next year with the potential of losing John Brown, you know, free up a little bit of money in that aspect. You hope Stills is a veteran. He's not going to be sensational. He hasn't proven to be sensational, but he can definitely keep people away from digs the same way that Brown did. Right. I so. Think- the best part about is just seeing Gabe Davis, Gabriel Davis, and what he was able to show in his first year. Obviously, him and Smoke are different types of receivers, but the load that he was able to carry and the fact that he did not look like a rookie. Like, realistically, what you want is exactly what the Bills have, where you already have a veteran in the position, you draft another guy, and then while the veteran is aging out or injury-prone or whatever, you have someone who can seamlessly take over that role. So I would expect him to be more of a wide receiver, you know, three something like that i feel like he was like a fourth option this year um but 
Yeah. I mean, I think John Brown has done a lot for the team. Like I think he was the, really the first target that Josh Allen like loved to throw to, if we're being right. honest, they could yeah. develop that chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think now also Isaiah Hodges. Hodges yeah. We don't really know what he's going to do. Right. I mean, yeah, he, he basically had like a red shirt um, right. injury. So I don't know what they see in him because we barely saw him. So maybe they have high expectations, but we're not sure yet. Well, and Cole's reaching, you know, up there too, right? You know, and he's a massive piece to what we do. So there's got to be some solution behind him. And McKenzie's shown that he can fill that role, but mm-hmm. he's not going to fill it to Cole Beasley's level. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm not Cole, sure anybody's going to really. Cole Beasley is. Oh, what is, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the unsung hero of that offense. And like, he does get a lot of credit, but I just think he has been such a reliable option for Josh, especially over the middle. He didn't always get open. He's unguardable. That's what you heard. We would ask like in press conferences this year, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Trey White, we'd all talk about, he is unguardable. And I mean, <laughs> that's what you, that's what you want. That's what you need. And he proved to be that guy. And he's proved to be that guy with the bills. And he's had like, I don't know if you saw this thing floating around today. It was like, he's had like the least fumbles out of the, like most catches out of any wide receiver in the league. Actually, you know, I, had like, not I thought you were talking so about the commercial where he says he puts pineapple on pizza. Yeah, right. We he's doing a lot of things. And I don't know if you listen to his album or not. Uh, his, he, you know, his rap not, yeah. It's pretty good, actually. I believe it. He's very talented. He's like, he is, when he came in from Dallas, like, he seemed kind of dis- disgruntled, maybe too strong, but like seemed like he was frustrated. Um, and I think he really like figured out, you know, just got off the of social media and just did his own thing. And obviously shown like that that's his authentic self and he's really prospered. Right. Well, and he's capable of playing through, you know, a broken femur or whatever, you know, so like he's, he's pretty cool. I'd have to say I mean, I like, that's, like last week and I was so hindered by it. Yeah, I was like, like, this dude tried to play with a broken leg. It's yeah, un- I mean, that's insane. And he was super productive. Yeah. You know, it's not like he was just running around doing nothing, right? You know, he was super productive. So uh, let's move to the running backs you brought up. So Mm -hmm. if you were to say right now, who would be RB1? Is it somebody in the room or is it somebody we're going to bring into the room? Um, I would expect for it to be a Zach. I would expect for it to be Zach Moss. I don't know what they're going to do with this because earlier on the season, I, we kind of thought it would be like a 1A, 1B, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary. Their right. skill sets are also different than what I imagined in the preseason. Like I thought Zach Moss was going to be like the thunder to Devin Singletary's right. late. They're very similar in terms of their running style and just obviously Zach Moss is more physical, but um I think Zach Moss just showed more this year. If you look at Devin Singletary's stats, he has the same touchdowns as last year and about a hundred less yards. But at the same point, he just, it was so frustrating. And I know Bill's fans were very frustrated um, on the field in terms of, I just think Zach Moss showed more. Now, TJ Yeldon, uh, he actually had some big plays in that playoff game. Um, You know, in the AFC Championship, he made some plays. But I could see them kind of moving on from him and then bringing in a veteran um, to see. And I'm not sure who that would be. We we also talked about having um, more of a pass-catching guy. My boss, my Catalana, loves Naheem Hines out of Indy. He, like, Mm -hmm. wants like that was a wide receiver at school and then became a running back um, right. for those third down situations or in short yardage. Um, but 
Yeah, I don't know. We've also talked about like, could they possibly deal Singletary and put it a package, you know, to get up to like trade up in the draft to get maybe a round or two higher. You know, here's our take our fourth round pick and Devin Singletary and we'll trade you for your third. That's something to think about as well. They don't love to trade their guys, but I think um, you know, if I were Brandon Bean, I would be kinda I would be frustrated with Devin Singletary. Now, I also think of Sometimes there is that sophomore slump. We saw Deion Dawkins take it in his second year, had a great freshman year, struggled his second year, and then obviously third year, he's he was fantastic. So um, you always have to measure against that, and you don't want to see a guy you draft not pan out with your franchise and then go to another team and light it up. But, yeah, I just think there, there will be decisions to be made. But right now, um, Zach Moss, he did impress me this year. Yeah, I, I was saying he was going to be the guy at the beginning of the season. By the end of the season, he would be the guy. Right? He, he fits the mold better for what we need to do, especially later in the season when we typically – you know, would turn into that run offense, right? So he fits that mold a lot better. Four years at Utah, playing, he plays in the snow. He he catches. He he does so many things. I really felt like he would be the guy. But I do I do think that Singletary has fallen into this role where I really only think he's like kind of this pass catching potential back, and I don't really see another role for him at this time. Yeah. You know, I thought about maybe a guy like a, a Mark Ingram who might be a cheap veteran option, right? That could be more of a consistent threat, you know, and, and still could teach Zach Moss how to be that guy. But that's interesting to think about maybe if somebody would be interested in Singletary. I mean, he's, he, he had a good season and you could realistically look at this year and be like, well, he just never got a chance to get going. Yeah. Right? This team's yeah. always throwing the ball, right? Like yeah. they ran the ball so infrequently that it's, it's, I mean, a lot of guys you hear them talk about, yeah, you need kind of to get going. And right. those really didn't give their backs an opportunity to get going, which there's obviously some guys that can come off the bench and, and have those, that impact, but maybe that's not a guy like Devin Singletary. Right. And it's, there's another thing floating around today that like the, 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 um, I think the running back with the most rushing yards in the Super Bowl, like the past five or six years, is paid under two million dollars or something like that. You know, Brandon Bean's going to look at things like that and be like, "Yeah, I'm not paying a running back any kind of money." Right? Yeah, like, like why would I? I mean, the Cowboys are pissed, <laughs> but but yeah, um, I mean, it can be an organization killer putting that much money into your running back. Yeah, for sure. I think, like you said, you've seen it throughout the league. I think basically everyone but Jerry Jones got that memo. But you can have an explosive guy that you're not paying a lot, which we've obviously seen the position change so much. Like, it's not that bell cow in terms of salary cap issues. But, okay, I have a question because you talked about how you thought Zach Moss was going to be a guy that would be the running back number one by the end of the season. Who do you think of way too early projections, but who's a guy to you that you're like, wow, I really think he's going to have a great season next year. You know, to me, I think I was thinking about this the other day, actually, and I think it's going to be at Oliver and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm hoping that it's at Oliver because, <laughs> because he, and I, and I say that because he was a first round pick, mm-hmm. but also because star should be back next year and he should fill the role that, Oliver was trying to play this year and he was not playing it well at the beginning of the season, but he settled, he was steadily progressing at the end of the season. He was disruptive. He was at least taking on more two blocks, even if he wasn't getting there. So I feel like he may have got himself the knowledge of the game that he needs to play next to star now eating up all those bodies. And then he just gets to truly go after it one-on-one. 
That's a really good point. Okay. I, mean, I, like we'll I didn't know. I, I think of like Gabriel Davis as that guy in my eyes. I, I have a little of that sophomore slump thing that always sticks in my head. So I stay away from guys like, so that's what concerns me about the running back room, right? Is so yeah. if we're saying Singletary may slump, so we're going to hope that he plays well. And then yeah. we're going to put Moss in the potential slump. And then at yeah. that point, I feel like we should just let TJ Yeldon roll out there. I mean, yeah. there's, no, a reason- I think there's definitely something to be said about that for sure. Right. I mean, Yeldon, like you mentioned, he came in that game and he closed that game out realistically with yeah. the two 10 yard plays that he had changed the entire feel of what was taking place at that time. And I think in McDermott keeps guys around like that. Like if you go back and look the trash, I was talking about Trent Murphy at the beginning of the season. Like I wanted nothing to do with him, you know, nothing to do with Trent Murphy. And then yeah. we paid him 10 million to sit on the bench. Yeah. That's tough, right? We can't do things like that, right? We can't do those things. We had, I, I love Tyler Croft and I actually thought that at one point he would be the right guy. And I actually thought we might keep him around at a cheap number if he was willing to stay this year because he truly hasn't been beaten up in the NFL and yeah. he, and he knows the system and he's part of the team. He's his wife's great in the community. His family fits the community. I mean, there's yeah. multiple of other pieces to it. Right. But I, yeah, I just to me it's it's one of those things where I feel like we've missed in the running back room somehow. It, it's interesting and you can tell that Bean feels it because he chased Bell a little bit. You know, like you can feel like he was looking for that piece, like he just knew it wasn't there, or we were doing way better than he thought. So he was like, Wait, give me that guy that can help me finish just in case. Yeah. But, no, I agree. I mean, I think there's there's obvious room for improvement in the defensive line play in the running back room. And also you did mention tight ends. Like that's another spot where Dawson Knox is there's pressure now before it was like, all right, let's see what we have. Hey, he's a young guy. He's still developing. But when you enter this part of your career, it's like they need to know. And it sucks because he's, first of all, he's super nice. Like it's, that is one thing. Like when the, the bills are such nice guys that you like, you root for them. Cause you're like, yeah, like you're just really nice. Like, I hope you do well because you're kind. Right. And, you, know, you don't want to see like jerks and be like, Oh, great. Yeah. Um, sweet. You see how much incredible tight end play can do for your game. And I think of the Chiefs with Travis Kelsey. But yeah, I feel like Dawson Knox does all the extraordinary things pretty well. And then like the routine things he really struggles with. Yeah, it's interesting that he has such a hard time with that. Like he'll make a one handed grab, no problem. You hit him right in the chest and he's like, whoa, whoa, hey. Yeah. Wait a second. One more time. Yeah, why'd you throw it right in my chest? Like, I don't know how to catch that. I, I think he overthinks it. I don't think it's a big surprise that the most of the, you know, if you're watching and paying attention that the targets are the, you know, the Juno Smiths from Tennessee, you know, like the tight end is a, to- a topic of conversation for what people believe the bills need to excel. I, I've been chiming for Najoku for a while now. He's disgruntled in Cleveland. Yep. He's big, he's athletic. He's, he's a pain in the ass, but uh, we don't really accept that. But I don't actually, I I think now that the process is so far along, you can experiment with that. Right. Well, I mean, we did already, right? We took the biggest. Exactly. Like Diggs Diggs was supposed to be the worst. Von Diggs was supposed to be a diva. He was supposed to be selfish, not a team player, like all that stuff. And like Josh or 
best buds, like just to see that. So I think they're far enough along in the process where they can try. And like, if a guy isn't fitting that culture, that system, like I think of Quentin Spain earlier this year, we're still not exactly sure what happened with Spain, but it was like, Hey, you're out. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're starting this week, next week. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, we're coming, but, um, well, I feel for Najoko too, right? Because he should be upset. You draft him. He has a very good season for you. And then in the offseason, you sign Austin Hooper. Yeah. It's like, wait, why? What are we doing? You know, yeah. And then the offense comes on and does the same exact thing, right? So I think we beat that, beat that up, uh, you know, enough. We, we're supposed to talk about QB1. Do you want to talk about QB1? Yeah, we can. I got time. Okay. So, uh, I'm concerned with the backup position. I mean, uh, at this point in time, and we obviously, you know, Matt is, he's a free agent. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see what they try to do there. Uh, I feel like part of me feels like they, they know they need to upgrade, but they would not be terribly concerned if Matt came back at another cheap number mm-hmm. and was the backup quarterback again, just purely for the relationship you know, that he has with Josh, obviously the community, he knows the system very well. And I, I maybe you have some insight on Fromm. I mean, we, I, I don't know anything about Fromm except for he's a Georgia quarterback who was drafted by the Buffalo Bills and got to hang out and be the don't touch anybody in case yeah. we need you. Yeah, it's funny. I actually am doing a series on buffaloplus.com rating the rookies, and I just did it on Jake Fromm, and I was like, this is tricky. (laughs) It really is because, I mean, we got to see him maybe like twice in person, and he was like the break, don't break until emergency, what is it, break glass in case of emergency QB. And so... I don't know what they think of from. Do they want to have Barkley back, sign him cheap for another one year deal, develop from and see what they have in him? I don't, I don't know because I feel like the bills are getting to a point where they're going to be at that crossroads. And like you mentioned, it makes it, it makes it tough. The thing about the NFL is these guys are close. Like Matt and Josh are very close. Matt has been huge in terms of, you know, being that veteran presence, doing things the right way. Um, and that's obviously valuable. Now, now that Josh is a little further along in his career, it's obviously a different story. But at the same point, if for some reason Josh goes down, it's the NFL, there are injuries. Like you want to have a guy that has that experience. But at the same point, you know how limited Matt Barkley is going to be. So I think that's definitely something that's like, that is a huge to do throughout this off season, which I know people are going to be like, why do they care about quarterback? They have Josh. Right. Yes. We know it is Josh was QB, right. but you have to look behind that and who's in that room. I mean, they have Davis Webb, but he's obviously a practice squad guy. I don't know what they have in Jake from. I don't know if they can really know what they have in Jake from either with the limited amount of reps and how he was, you know, quarantined away because of the COVID situation, which makes total sense. But I feel like right. this, this year is just a wash for him. Yeah. And it's, it's tough, right? Because it's, it's one of those things where you, you feel like it should be a veteran. Like, I don't feel like I could feel comfortable going into the off season with saying, we're going to have Jake Fromm and Davis Webb is going to be the backups, right? Like, that's what we're going to do. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that because I, like you mentioned, Barkley to me, like, I don't want Josh trying to mentor the other guys in the room right now. 
Mm-hmm. I want him to just focus on learning how to get better at football. And once he gets a couple more years under his belt and he knows more of what's going on and he feels more comfortable, then I'm okay with him really taking on that role. But right now I feel like it's got to be a veteran guy that's sitting behind him, mentoring him still, and also providing mentorship to probably a rookie or a from guy that doesn't have any experience, right? Cause that's what we're going to have to carry behind a, a, you know, a free agent at this point. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Would you take Fitzmagic back for another I mean, season? I would, but like, I feel like he'd probably cost too much. Yeah, I, I almost feel like Fitzmagic would be like the guy that would be like, you know what, just give me a couple mil. What did you pay Barkley last year? Yeah, give me that. I feel like I feel like he still wants to play though. Oh, I, I'm sure he does. And and you realistically, know, Buffalo, it's not you are a backup. Yeah, you are. You know that it's not. Whereas, obviously, in Miami, it was. Um, I mean, I felt bad for the way that. Well, happened. that was all done. I mean, he probably would have got them in the playoffs, and they yeah. would have not been that tight. I mean, the way that he was playing, he was playing well. I mean, but oh, yeah, completely. And like Tua, I mean, their defense was outstanding. It's just Tua was such a rookie. Yeah, he can't throw the ball the outside of the field, so that makes it tough to play in the NFL. But well, good yeah, I can't do that either. So <laughs> me either. It's okay. Right. So, it's better uh, for the Bills for sure. <laughs> right. Let me ask you if Sam Darnold somehow just slips into free agency and he's available, would you bring him in as the Bills backup or a Mitchell Trubisky if he somehow just slips into the abyss where people are like, yeah, I can't see this guy's terrible. We, he's had so many opportunities. But would you bring him in as the Bills backup? Mm, no, I wouldn't no? personally. Because I feel like they're too close in age to Josh. Mm-hmm. And we've seen, I think Darnold will get another shot. I don't know about Mitch, but I feel like if you were like, what? I say that, like, but what is the difference between a Mitch Trubisky and a Matt Barkley in terms of on field play? Like, uh, just the ability to run around. Yeah, but I feel like at that point, too, like you have Barkley and his relationship with Josh, him knowing the system so well, him being probably pretty cheap. And the level of play, like I do think Mitch is a better player, but at the same point, I feel like they, they're they protecting Josh at all costs, I really think. Right. like They don't want anything. They don't want Josh to at all think like, oh, why is this guy coming in? Mm-hmm. I think I will keep it as, hey, Josh, you're our guy as much as possible. And I feel like with Mitch Trubisky, it might be like a, I mean, everyone would know Josh would be the starter. But right. But still. I, don't know. I, I, I also could see like, I bet you Mitch wants the opportunity to start. Right. I right. can see that. I'd be like, yeah, they they screwed me over in Cleveland or Cleveland, um, Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. if I was going to have to choose one of them, I would take Darnold. Mitch, yeah. I've, I've seen Mitch play with a great wide receiver in Allen Robinson and not have success. So there's no way that I would believe he'd be able to come over here and magically have success. Right. Yeah. Darnold. I don't think he's ever had the opportunity to throw the ball to anybody that could actually catch it. I I mean, yeah. I mean, if he, if you gave him the players that we have, I, I, you could potentially, I mean, he's used to playing with talent. Right. Yeah. I mean, like in really good talent, you know, so but it, it's just an interesting because, uh, you know, he and Josh are like really good buds, too. Right. So it might be another interesting combination. But I do think it has to be a veteran in some form or fashion just to sure things up, you know, battle the storm of Josh. Fingers crossed, knocked on wood, you know, like if something terrible happens that they can weather the storm. Yeah, I completely agree. And also, like I said, like, I think I think Darnold wants to start. 
Like, yeah. I, don't know, I feel like, like you said, like you really didn't get a fair shake in New York. And if I were him, I would want to see what I can do and where I could go because so much. I know it's so funny because, you know, on draft night, guys are so excited to go to certain teams and everything, but I'm like, that makes up such a huge part of your career is where you first start. And obviously guys can kind of get past that if it wasn't a great start, but like for Josh to go to the bills and everything they built around him, like he's very lucky. He, obviously he had to develop and that's on him and all of that. But like there are, I think of New York and like the situations, how it could be worse. Right. Well, and it's funny too, cause it's almost like when you're the guy up top, yeah, you get all the money up front. Mm-hmm. But you're probably going to a train wreck. Yeah. Right? The, the guy that's getting drafted at 32, he's playing for the team that was just in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and he's learning how to be a pro from yeah. a team that just played in the Super Bowl compared to this guy that may be fighting for his life, you know, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, like just praying to God he makes it through the season. I mean, Joe Burrow, I thought, had a phenomenal season. But if you watch those games, he was getting destroyed. I mean, yeah. killed getting killed he was like, running around for his life and that too the all the expectations that come with the top pick right like i think of baker mayfield baker mayfield was supposed to be the savior obviously things turned around this season they got to the playoffs they had stefanski but like well, coach of the year does that for you yeah yeah and also you know the browns winning <laughs> what's going on the browns right. we were this close to a bills browns afc championship oh that would have been 2020 oh in a nutshell and I wanted that. I thought this was like the year of destiny. I really did. It was like a fumble away from that actually taking place. Yeah. I mean, realistically. Oh my God. So. It makes me happy because I'm annoyed by the chiefs as well. And look, I know they're really talented and I know they're very good, but they do annoy me. So it always makes me feel better when I hear that other people are annoyed by them as well. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that are actually annoyed by it. Cause they, I, everybody calls them like the baby goat or whatever. And they're like, the night I, I don't see it. I don't think it's going to take place. I don't think there is the Brady is never going to happen again. In, in, in my opinion. I mean, Brady's going to happen again, but I think, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I think is incredibly talented and does some incredibly just impressive things. But sometimes I think that like, I made the joke on our, our Buffalo plus, we have a YouTube page of like, like he'll be tying his shoes and like, Oh my God, incredible form. Or you're like, dude, he's tying his shoes. That throw, the incompletion in the Super Bowl where he was like, you know, parallel to the ground. Like, yeah. It's just it's it's he, he he was spinning around just throwing the ball to random places and they're like, Oh, he's phenomenal. Like, yeah. Like yeah. Josh Allen does that and you're like, he's the yeah, he just he's never gonna figure it out. Even their stat, line. Even their stat yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. Bit, I saw that did you see the stat the other day that said that uh, Mahomes' QBR rating in the Super Bowl is lower than Rex Grossman's? I saw that. <laughs> that's awesome. I got that's, a nice couple out of it. Yeah, that's so funny. So uh I think we've probably hit the hit the time. We talked about what we want to talk about. Um, I just want to say, uh, you know, thank you uh, very much for coming on. Uh, super awesome to get somebody uh, as cool as you to kick this thing off with me. Uh, you obviously have, are doing great things. Uh, is there anything else that, like, um, I know we've talked about the foundation and stuff. Is there anything else that you're up to that, you know, is just you're super pumped about or, you know, something that you want people to know you're doing or, you know, what's going on with you? 
Um, yeah, actually, there there is. Um, we have a Buffalo Bills YouTube page. It's called Buffalo Plus. And then we also have a website called buffaloplus.com. And it's literally... Oh, and we have a podcast, too. It's called... Literally just... Google Buffalo, Buffalo Plus. Plus. Yeah, as I say, we'll get you set. But it's actually really fun. So it's um, my Catalana, Dan Fates, as, as well as me. And um, we do, it's just only Bill stuff. So we're going like position group by position group, going through the offseason needs, rating the rookies. Like, it's just really fun. And I feel like this is always like the hardest week because you're the furthest away from football season. Right. <laughs> you're like, oh my God, like football is my favorite sport. So it's always... um. It's a long, it's a long off season. Yeah, this is the downtime during the off season is tough. I mean, at least you get to like kind of actually bounce back into it and to be around like the the OTAs and like yeah. you get to actually be around that stuff and get the you know get the feel for it and everything. So, you know, we get like especially now with the COVID and the new NFL rules, it's like yeah, you can videotape them for like twelve seconds and that's all you get to see from this practice. You know, it's yeah. like wait, what? Yeah, no, it was it was definitely this year was very bizarre. I only actually went to two games in person. Oh, really? Which yeah. ones did you go to? I went to the Rams and the Steelers. Two good wins. Just say, yeah, yeah. I, I like. I was like, all right, yeah, this is this is good. I mean, the Rams game, I was nervous. Right, quarter I wasn't trending well for a while there. Yeah, yeah, I was like, man. <laughs> um, yeah, like oh, same old Bills. Yeah, I mean that's again. Right. That's it. It happens. Right, Billsy lost, but obviously that was a a twenty twenty Bills win. So yeah, I mean it, they when you brought that up earlier, it was like yeah, I mean the the, the PTSD of being a Bills fan is like you know like a terrible thing because every week the further we are winning i'm like yeah we're gonna lose to this terrible team this week it's gonna happen right it's bound to happen this is what we do right but i truly finally for the first time in a very long time like and you can probably there's people that have vouched to say like my demeanor during games is completely different because i just feel like you know what yeah we're gonna win like it's it, for, it just feels completely different now you know where it's like no matter the situation it's like you know what it's okay we're gonna win yeah I completely agree which again like earlier on in the season it was like there's no way but it it's just a different feel there's way more confidence and you've just seeing how much the team has grown it's like and seeing how much Josh Allen has grown it's like you can you can actually legitimately feel confident as opposed to like no like they're gonna win like like like, they're gonna win like they can bounce back it's fine fourth quarter like Josh Allen can be very clutch I think like in the playoffs he did struggle a little bit but at the same point fourth quarter the Bills are down like I trust Allen to at least put together a drive like maybe they, I, I expect them to win and to score, but at the same point, I at least have confidence in his ability to make a play or to have someone get the ball to someone that can make a play. First two series, I look at his eyes, and that tells me what we're going to get from the game. I know it's actually so true. I feel like he, he's shooter rush high. He gets like amped up sometimes, and you just see it. And he's yeah. like fast. He's fast. He's fast. And then sometimes he comes out, and it's just like, yep, it's on. I know. It's funny. I sometimes I feel like like before the game will start, I'll be like, All right, I think Josh Allen's feeling pretty good today. <laughs> like sometimes he's worried. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I don't I've I've only ever ever like interviewed him. I've never just like like this is just based off of me being like, if I were him, I would be worried today. Right. Well, I mean, you're playing some of these games or just the situations you're walking into, right? It's like everybody's doubting what you're capable of doing. It's 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 tough yeah. to expect somebody to stand up and be like, 
chilling. I mean, if you switched up to Sinatra this season, you know, like whatever it is. I mean, if we get to meet an avocado ice cream, then who knows what's going to take place? I mean, like about avocado tequila or um, yeah, today as he was being basically carried away from the boat yeah as much as i dislike him and i know you you and i had like uh emailed back and forth and i said go bucks before the super bowl and i said that felt gross you know i said that to you immediately afterwards and you were just like oh i feel the same way yeah and you don't want him to win but in that game i wanted him to win i did not want patrick mahomes to win that game I did not want Patrick. I, yeah, I didn't want. The only thing I was truly disappointed about was I felt like it was a super poor performance for the AFC. Like it, it, it looks kind of trashy for the AFC. That's fair, but I also feel like the AFC was always was so much better this season. Like I just feel right. like it's like they just didn't play well. But yeah, top to bottom, the AFC was better. Yeah, and, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, the eleven win Dolphins didn't make it. Like right, that yeah. was to show. But uh, but yeah, I felt the same way. I felt the same way. I, I think of it as like Brady and Belichick for so long. Like Brady was frustrated. And I'm like, you know, I've had a bad boss in my life. Like I want to see that guy do well. <laughs> right. It's like, if that's truly what it was, it's like, yeah, just go whoop him. Take everybody down. Go. And the best part about the whole thing was that you saw him throw the trophy today too. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, just like he does whatever he wants now. And his daughter's in the background with common sense. Like, no, don't do that. You know, and he's just like, yeah, whatever. Ah. You know, one of those guys will catch it. So they did, though. They did. Yeah. I I thought somebody was going to catch it to the face, right? And then you're going to be watching some guy bleed down on the side of his boat in the Super Bowl party. You know, like that is my goal. I want to cover a Super Bowl party. So my birthday is at the end of January. And my, my goal is to one day cover my team that I cover like throughout my birthday. Well, I think if you stick around in Western New York, you're going to probably have an opportunity to definitely be at a Super Bowl and, I, and see I, this team. Two Super Bowls, but and I've never been to want like to cover. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was very appreciative for it. We went last year in Miami when the Chiefs won, when they beat the 49ers. And then I went to Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco when Sean McDermott, that was the first time I met Sean McDermott, was defensive coordinator for the Panthers. The Panthers ended up losing to Peyton Manning and yes. the Broncos. But yeah. I'm okay with the San Francisco 49er loss too because I'm in that area and they are the most bandwagon fans on the planet. So I'm okay when they lose, but I'm super jealous you've been to two Super Bowls and you just continue to get better as the show goes on. So I know, I know, but I really love it. Like that probably means absolutely nothing, (laughs) but um, it's fun. I really appreciate it. So there's that. So uh, in closing, if you want to catch up with Jenna, uh, you can find her on Twitter. If you want to support the cause, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, we'll get it right one of these times. Go check out the website. It's down below. It'll be in the show notes. You know, go donate, help out if you can. Uh, here's all of everything that Jenna's got going on. She just talked about the Buffalo Plus. We can check them out on YouTube. Uh, I went through and checked out the website today as I was reading some of the stuff. So there's a lot of good stuff going on. She's awesome. Yeah, and also go check her out. She's doing a lot of cool things. Uh, you know, so Jenna, thank you very much for being here tonight. I appreciate all your time. I know it's late over there on the East Coast. Okay. So thank you very much. Uh, anything in closing? 
No, I just really appreciate the time. And I always love talking bills. So if people have any questions or comments, whatever, feel free to, that's my Twitter handle down there. It's my Instagram handle. Um, it's basically, if you're looking for me, just look at my name. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate it. And I, I had a lot of fun. And thank you so much for letting me talk about the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. It means a lot to me and to my family. And I know to a lot of families out there. So I just really appreciate the time. And thanks to everyone for, for watching or listening awesome thank you very much for coming on and of course it's got to end with the go bills uh here's uh, all of jenna's information if you're looking for uh it's everything you can find from the the lls society and uh thank you guys very much for being here today thanks for joining us for this episode of the buffalo nerd with colt schroeder before you go make sure you hit that like button and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes Find Colt on all social channels at the Buffalo Nerd and at the Buffalonerd.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.